Queen Mode Collective. Welcome to another episode of The Queen's Table. I'm Jax, your host and proud Queen Mode ambassador. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners and elders of the lands from which you are listening to this podcast. In this episode, I catch up with Medika Thorpe. Deeks is a proud Gunai, Gunditjmara and Garang Garang woman. She has an amazing story influenced by her strong family connections, from dancing with Bangara as a nine-year-old to co-founding the Linda Film Festival. Deeks's creative journey has taken her across the globe. She's a trailblazer, hard worker and passionate First Peoples woman. Deeks's story is truly inspiring. Queen Mode Collective talking with Queen Mode. Ah, thanks for having me. I'm very honoured to be part of it. Oh, no, we wouldn't have gone past you, my sister. <laughs> oh, just that deadly. And I'm just really excited to yarn with you and learn more about you and your experiences. So um, for all of those who don't know you, all our Queen Mode women of the world, uh, can you tell everyone who you are and where you're from and where your family's from? Yep. So my name is Medika Thorpe. I'm a proud Gunai Gunichamara and Gurangarang woman. Gunai uh, and Gunichamara being from Victoria and my Gurangarang side being uh, from Queensland, Bundaberg. So, um, yeah, that's, I'm, you know, I, I'm a saltwater girl, live along, my mob are from, you know, the saltwater along the coastlines of Victoria and, and Queensland. So, yeah. Lovely parts of Australia. Oh, beautiful. I wish I could be there right now, um, visiting family and, but, you know, and I do miss that salt water, but, um, yeah, no, I, it, they are beautiful places um, and I'm, you know, I'm lucky to kind of have that country that I can go back to. Yeah, that's right. We all need to do that. Yeah. Cool. Especially in these times. Um, and I know that, You've got such a strong family on both sides of your family, but, you know, Queen Mode's all about our queens. So do you have in your family any, like, matriarchs that you look up to or inspire you or you draw strength from? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've got – I always look to my grandmothers, my great-grandmother, my mum, um, such a strong line on both sides of the family, so mum and dad's sides. Um, on my dad's side, my great-grandmother, Nanny Edna Brown, um, from Framlingham Mission down in um, Victoria on the Western District of, of Victoria, just a strong woman and her story. Um, you know, I've had, you know, she passed away many years ago, but, you know, I do remember her as a young a young kid and, and just the stories that our whole family would share about her. And, you know, she's um, quite a prominent woman in of the community back when she, she was uh, living in Fitzroy. Um, she actually was uh, part of the... Um, assimilation policy so she was actually um, pretty much forced to move to the city from the mission from the country and and assimilate assimilate because she had a white father and and um, a black mother so you know she had to live in the slums of uh, Fitzroy when it was slummy it's it's not it's not like that today but um you know and she had to real she moved there actually with her father um and you know she she just you know was a you could imagine being a different world um uh living you know there and trying to make ends meet and you know and but she you know she found a community and there was a lot of black fellas um living there 
yeah. um, and, you know, she became a part of that community and, you know, and just seeing the poverty and, and the struggle with mob and, you know, and she was part of the movements, the different Aboriginal rights movements that were happening at the time. This is wow. in the 30s, so this is like part of the Great Depression time. So, wow. um you know, and just like the little things that I'd read about, and you know, these are things that we already know about our great grandmother. But you know, her starting the first funeral fund, um, Aboriginal fu uh, funeral fund benefits fund, sorry, um, because she didn't want to. She wanted her mob, the people in her community, to be buried with dignity. They were being buried as paupers, um, and that to me just is incredible because. You know, it wasn't about herself. It wasn't about something. It was about helping the community and um, and just you know, um, you know, just showing respect to our mob and and giving them the proper burial that they deserve. And um, you know, she fought for that. Her and other women in the community fought for that. And um, today, they now have we now have our own Aboriginal ce um, cemetery called Waruna Cemetery in, in Melbourne and she's buried there today. So, you know, just the 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 fight and the you know that they saw a struggle and they wanted to help fix that and, and support the mob, you know, I think that's pretty courageous to go up against, you know, this is in the nineties, so, you know, like she really kind of um seen a need in the community and, and wanted to help there and and I think that kind of trickled down into our family on our dad's side you know that strength that matriarchal strength um um you know my grandmother being one of them you know starting you know the being uh sorry helping establish the first um Victorian Aboriginal Health Service yeah and so it's just like that that's what I draw strength from you know and and just then you know my gra my grandmother's um children my father and my uncles and aunties all being quite strong activists you know in the community and and just really standing up for what's right and for aboriginal justice and yeah it's just and then it and then you know it kind of trickles down to our generation and then we're being um opened all these doors because of the fight um that they've you know done in generations before us so you know it's this kind of trickle effect and um you know, generational kind of struggle, but also the fight um, yeah. and that kind of fire in your belly that continues to burn, you know, generations through. But, you know, that's just my dad's side. And then, you know, my mother's side, you know, she, my grandmother, you know, she was a South Sea Islander Aboriginal woman, you know, being um, one of the last families to actually move um, into town, into Bundaberg. Um, on the outskirts, they were fringe dwellers. They were living in the bush, you know, and the struggles there to go and collect water, um, you know, just, you know, living in a hut with dirt floors. Like this is like my grandmother's generation. This is my mum's generation where they've, you know, so the, there's both sides is, um, you know, both had their um, their struggles but there's also that kind of fighting spirit in them and you know and being able to raise a beautiful family and um you know and just making ends meet and just yeah it's just it's amazing you know hearing those stories of your family and what they've gone through um to be you know to give us what we have today so I'm I'm quite honored to be part of you know those women and part of their that line of women um but yeah I draw strength from them all the time um you know when I feel like I'm struggling myself I always think about them yeah that's amazing yeah so amazing and like just from what you were saying you're a family of storytellers and I feel like you, the apple hasn't fallen far from the <laughs> because you know you're like you say you live every day with that fire in the belly and mm. you lent towards storytelling a little bit yeah. Um, this leads me to you and your path and I guess it, you can call it your professional life, but, you know, you started from such a young age. Um, a lot of us 
didn't start in the way you did. It was very unique. But um, you started storytelling uh, through dance um, at a young age. What was that like and, and what journey has your professional life um, taken? Well, like you said, yeah, it all started when I was quite young. Actually, um, my mum attended NASDA, the you know Aboriginal Dance College in in Glebe, when it was at the oh, old um, church um, in Glebe, and you know just being dragged along to that after school and hanging out and just watching everyone rehearse and perform and you know singing in language and just the culture and it was just so strong and. To be a witness to that really um, got me excited and, you know, and just mum up there dancing and, you know, and her doing her thing as well. So I think that really inspired me to, I feel like that was my path, you know, it was already kind of laid out for me and um, I was just inspired by the people around me and being able to be in that kind of, um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the kind of just having that experience, you know, and, um, you know, being in a community where, you know, creative, you know, performing arts was everywhere, you know, and I think, um, you know, even the primary school I went to really encouraged that. So, um, yeah, things just, it it was just kind of naturally happened, I guess. And, um, at the age of nine, I, I was picked to perform in Bangara, one of their first, um, you know, productions, uh, Pray Mantis Dreaming. And that was just like, wow, like, you know, this little girl, you know, just kind of dreaming big and then getting the opportunity to perform on the big stage with these amazing dancers Um yeah, it was incredible and getting to travel around, you know, the country and overseas, like, yeah. And I think that's where it really started. It was kind of this journey of um, really exploring, you know, through dance, um, culture through dance, language through dance, like everything was through. And I feel like dance has always been this common thread through my life it's always kind of come back to it. Like I might stray away for a little bit and then I'll get dragged back back in and then I was like, you know, do a bit of dance here and then you'll be back on the on that journey, on that track again. So, yeah, look, it, it led me to such amazing opportunities, you know, um, you know, being able to perform with you, um, you know, in Move It Mob style and many different other things. It's like, you know, and the people that you meet along the way and the opportunities and the doors that open, you know, um, really open your eyes and just, you know, from dance can so much can happen, you know. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Right. It's so true about dance. It always breaks. Doesn't matter how old you get, I swear. Um, But it's, it's interesting that you talk about dance and, you know, storytelling through dance, but it does open you up to other mediums. And there was this transition in your life where you were dancing for so long and having this massive professional life. And it kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of were searching for other things and, and all of a sudden you ended up in Canada, <laughs> out of all places in the world. Yeah. Um, I'm very jealous about it. <laughs> that even happened and when you got over there what did you get up to well yeah um I was you know dancing I was you know doing the move it mob style um show and you know working at vibe Australia and you know and then yeah something just clicked in me where I turned 30 and I was like okay this is a now or never moment I've always dreamt to live overseas live abroad and I had actually one friend over there that was living over there on a two-year working holiday visa. I said, oh, okay, that I might be able to apply for that. Um, and it was actually there was a cutoff age. You had to be 31 and under. So I just turned 30 and I was like, okay, this is that now and never moment. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of bit the bullet and applied and got accepted and, Next minute I'm on a plane flying into the middle of winter, Canadian winter. Um, yeah, it was quite the journey. I, I lived over there for two years and, um, yeah, it was just, it was more curiosity, I think. It was just, just you know, 
Um, but I didn't know what would follow after that. It was kind of just going over and, and just figure it out when I get there. And, um, you know, I managed to kind of, you know, I lucky I had that one friend. She, you know, showed me how to, she showed me the ropes, how to catch a, the tram and how to catch the train, like just all the little things that you need to know when you move to a big city, you know. Um, but once I kind of had that under my belt, I knew I'll be right then and had to go and find my community who I wanted to be part of and, you know, sought after, you know, that kind of um, community that I would feel at home with. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was looking out for, you know, the native Canadian mob over there. And I managed to, you know, make many friends and, um, you know, in the community and and work in the community. So I was quite fortunate to... um, you know, really kind of just make the most out of it. And and um, and then after two years, I felt like my, I was settled um, and didn't want to come home <laughs> because after two years you feel like you just found your feet, you know, and, you're, and then you're like, oh, I've got to go. I could have stayed but, you know, home was calling me, so. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were in that that moment before 30, um, that transition, like what in what inside of you made you trust your instincts to go and bite that bullet? What, like, yeah, without the time being on it, what was the other thing that you were like, I think I can do this? You know what? I think it was the support around me. Um, me just talking to people like I'm doing this. It's I know it's crazy. Um, you know, black fella living over. You know, like you know. Most blackfellas can't leave their own towns, let alone the country. <laughs> but for me, I was a bit more kind of, you know, I lived in the big city that was, yeah. and then I was like, okay, what's the next best thing? What's what, what else can I do? And, you know, I just talked to people. I talked to my friends and family and they're like, go and do it, Deeks. You know, this is an opportunity. Um, you know, if I could do it, I'll do it. And, you know, my, you know, our boss at the time, you know, really encouraged me. Um, he told me he did it once, you know, and he's like, go and do it. And, you know, just having that support, knowing that people can see that, see that potential in you, that you can do it um, when you sometimes you can't see it in yourself. So you just got to trust that, you know, and just trust that, you know, everything will be okay. And if, if things don't go the way you plan, you can just come home. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, it, everything worked out for me. And you know, got to meet amazing people and work for an incredible, you know, company, um, you know, Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival, which is incredible. Um, yeah, I just, I was so fortunate to be able to have that experience and just so many opportunities opened up for me when I moved over there. And was the First Nations mob over there just, did you find so many uh, similarities and you know were they just all welcoming oh. like we are to other first nations oh, big media. time yeah like pretty much um with open arms i have to tell you this story um so when i first moved there um i you know i moved in the middle of winter didn't never seen snow in my life never, didn't even own a winter coat <laughs> You know, this little black duck walking around trying to find a way around the city, you know. And um I I had looked and did a bit of Googling and stuff and um I found a community center, like a native Canadian community center and um I was like, Oh, that seems pretty cool. I should go and check that out and it, it would have like the what's on in the you know, in the community, like different events and stuff like that. I could probably meet a couple of mobs. So I'm fresh from Australia and, you know, kind of like finding my way around the city. I've learnt how to catch the tram and I'm, you know, kind of walking along and following my map and um as I'm getting closer, um, before I actually found the building I smelt the building wow. and I, that's, I know it sounds strange, but before, as I was, as I was walking towards where I would, you know, this location, I, I smelt the, I smelt um, bushfire, campfire in the middle of the city. So I was kind of confused. What the, what's that smell, you know? Uh-huh. And I knew it wasn't anything burning like a fire, like a 
you know, a building or whatever. I knew it was that campfire because it reminded me of home. And so I kind of followed my smell. Like I, that was what led me. And I found the building and then I figured out where the smoke was coming from. It was like a little fire at the front of the building. And there was a couple of mobs sitting around, um, around it and you know I kind of like walked up the steps and as I before I walked through the door I kind of looked over to them and they gave me the head nod <laughs> the black fella head nod we all know what the head nod means it's acknowledgement you know hey going you know and I spun out because I was like they do that here too like oh. they do it over there as well so at that instant at that very moment I knew I was at the right place at the right time you know you just have that feeling that gut feeling you're right you feel right so I went in there and I kind of just you know checked out the place and I came back out and they kind of waved me over and um so I went over to the fire and I introduced myself and they introduced themselves and they were spinning out that I was from Australia and you know so we had a good yarn and and I asked them, oh, what's the fire for? And they said, oh, um, an elder passed away a couple of days ago, so we have to burn, you know, we have to keep this fire going for a couple of days and we have to keep the fire, you know, they're the fire keepers. And I just thought that's something, you know, that just reminded me of home, something that we would do at home, you know, we were respectful to our elders, no. you know, we all kind of come around a fire and tell our stories, you know. And we do have our fire keepers too, you know. Um, and I end up spending a couple of hours there yarning with them and they end up singing me a song in language. They had the hand drum. Like it was just so special. And that to me was like my um, introduction or I guess my initiation into that country, like my yeah. welcoming, you know what I mean? Like I felt very welcome then. And, you know, those people are still I'm friends with today, you know, and I stay in contact on social media. So just, you know, I think just once you're over there, it is daunting the thought of moving overseas. But once you're there and you find your place and you feel like you have that, you're welcomed, like yeah. you're fine then. Like I felt like I was part of that community and I don't think I would have survived as long as I did if I didn't have that community. <laughs> so that I yeah I really love sharing that story because it's just I love that story because it's just you know like there was a connection to home yeah you know and I felt right then and I felt connected you know even though I was so far away from home I was connected wow yeah that's such a good story <laughs> I mean I mean those two years seem like such a small amount of time, but what mm. you experience, or you know, like you say, carries on now. Yeah. But you did get to work at Imaginative, which yeah. is real, one of the biggest film festivals in the world. Yeah. And then you came home. Yeah. And then you found yourself dealing with, you know, organising and starting Winder Film Festival in Australia. Yeah. Which was the first one, right? Well, yeah. That was the first one. Yeah. So what, what, what is Winder and how did you even get that <laughs> started? Because that's not a small thing no. to do. So Winder is um, an Indigenous film festival based in Sydney. Um, it was started in 2016, so the same year I arrived back home we started that year, so no hitting the ground running pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so Pauline Clegg, who's also who's the festival director, um, and I started the festival, we established it. And um, so it's pretty much a, f a festival celebrating and, you know, um, giving the opportunity to um, platform their films, like uh, Indigenous filmmakers, so not yeah. just Indigenous films but Indigenous creatives like the, the director, the producers, the writers. Um, and we thought that was important because, um, you know, there's a lot of Indigenous, there's a lot of films out there about Indigenous content but mm. it's, there's, there's, you know, we really want to um, highlight the Indigenous creatives on on those films. So we, we just 
and that's what um, imaginative is all about too. It's about the the criteria to you know enter a film is that you have to have um, an indigenous creative on your team. Wow. And so that's something we modelled, and we yeah Pauline and I um, thought well that's not happening in in Australia. Like there's an there's amazing array of um, film festivals in Australia, but there wasn't really anything. Um, like an indigenous um, film festival of its of the of its kind, um, like Winda. So, we just thought it was important to start Winda, um, which means Milky Way, by the way. Um, and yeah, and we just thought um, we just had to get this up and running. And and yeah, we had our first film festival in November in 2016. And um, yeah, it's still running. Um, I'm no longer the um one of the festival directors but I'm still associated so you know it was just an honor and a privilege to help establish um uh, a film festival like window and of its kind and yeah it was amazing to be part of it and you know my journey to Canada and working at Imaginative really um allowed me to be a part of that window experience so you know um you know, if I hadn't gone to Canada, I wouldn't have been able to do something like that. So it's just amazing how things all kind of fall into place and there's yeah. opportunities that um, arise, you know, when you go and do something like, you know, I just didn't know what I'll, what to expect going over to Canada and, um, yeah, I found myself working at Imaginative, and, which is an incredible festival and, yeah, and they're really supportive of, all Indigenous film festivals um, around the country, you know, around the world, and yeah, and we just wanted to make sure that Australia was represented as well. Yeah, it's amazing. And what during winter? I mean, what a learning curve! You get yeah. off the plane, and within months, you've got this massive festival, produce this massive, massive festival. I mean, what was some of the highlights of working on winter? Yeah. And what were the challenges as well? Because, you know, a lot of us are kind of those, are in those sorts of roles where we're producing or co-directing mm. or events or, you know, creative direction. What, yeah. what did you, what did you, what were your takeaways from that time with Winda? Um, I think the first year was, I feel like it wasn't just a breeze. Like, I mean, it, I think it was something exciting. Um, and that people were really excited about it when we would bring that idea to them and, you know, we just wanted to make it work and make it happen. Um, So, you know, we, you know, I think maybe um, just trying to, I don't even think, I think really time was against us, to be honest, like, but we just wanted to get it happening. So I think that was one of the challenges, but also just... um, resources and and funding like trying to get that sponsor sponsorship and having like the right um marketing and you know like it's just you needed like all those things really and and all those things cost money so we just had to do what we could with what resources and funding we had um you know and it i think it was really supported um when we first had that first year and i think it kind of just then um, every year after that, it just grew and grew, you know. And I think, you know, like festivals, you know, they take their time. You, they're gonna grow, um, and you want to start small. You don't want to bite off too more, too much um, than you can choose. So I think, um, you know, the starting small was a good learning curve. Is you know, just don't do too much. Just do what you need to do because really, you just want to showcase these films and. Um, you know, and the culture and bringing people together and celebrating film and Indigenous film and Indigenous uh, creative. So, um, but, you know, like all the, the usual stuff that, you know, a lot of us face when running events, it's like, you know, um, just the the sponsorship and um, resources and just, you know, having enough people on the, on, on the crew and, yeah, so just, you know, but each year you learn from those things, you know, and I think that's important to um, kind of take on board for the next time you, know, you run the festival. Okay, so we were talking about Winda and film and how amazing film is as a medium. Like I'm just a massive fan because, you know, the time, effort, 
all the people involved in film just blows my mind and especially Indigenous filmmakers, I just, my hat's always off to them. What is what is it to you about film that has drawn you to that medium? I love film um, because it gives us an opportunity to see someone else's world or their perspective um and you know it's just it's and so there's a way that you can relate to some of those stories as well especially when um there's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander filmmakers but even just like um you know First Nations around the world like how our stories relate in a way and as quite the same narrative but just different perspectives um it's, yeah, Indigenous film is like I'm just so happy that I I was able to kind of see that and be immersed in that industry. You know, it's such as an industry in itself um, mm-hmm. that I was able to kind of um, really see for myself and and really rub shoulders with the, these pe- these amazing filmmakers um, and the, even just the industry people as well, like the people behind the scenes running the festivals. Um, you know, just really understanding um, how important it is to tell our stories, you know, and, and really claiming that back for ourselves. Um, and it's just so, such a strong industry. Um, yeah, and I just love that, you know, we can tell our stories in our own way, um, you know, on these massive platforms and yeah. people are loving watching these films because the, it's educational as well it's 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 giving them an opportunity to see it in our eyes in a, in our perspectives so i they're just so important um that we're you know being able to tell our own stories in this way so true mm. um i wonder how you know you your time in Canada and with Winda and, you know, that was a few years ago and what what you've been up to in the meantime and how you've been drawing from your experiences in those two massive areas um, to now and what your goals are now, what you've been up to recently. um, Yeah. Or is it? No, like as soon as I got back from, you know, Canada and then, you know, doing – uh, starting Winder and yeah, just so many things have happened since then. Um, you know, so many amazing opportunities. Like I say, doors open because you know one door closes, another door opens, and I've just been so fortunate to kind of had that um, experience, like an ongoing experience. You know, of opportunities. Um, yeah, what did I? What have I been up to in the last few years? It's it's already been. Um, five years since I've been back from Canada, which is just crazy to me. Um, But so much has happened um, since then, you know, going on to work with black comedy, Mm. um, you know, in the production um, kind of side of things. And then that kind of developing into a bit of a a role then because I worked there for two seasons and um, just being able to identify something um there was a need like there was a gap in the industry um whilst I was working there and I was able to fulfill that gap whilst in my other role um and then that gap being that there wasn't enough um well agencies um extra agencies um in particular that had in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on their books um so you know, my job was to go and find these people. Um, so we had, you know, um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander faces and extras in, you know, in these in these uh, in these shots, um, in these scenes. So that was a task in itself. But obviously, there was a need there, and I was able to fulfil every, you know, every um, role that they were. Rec- that was required and and that was just me drawing on my connections to the community you know mm-hmm. reaching out and and you know just people loving the show black comedy you know was all already a draw card but you know and just kind of then falling and then coming back for a second season say look I'd love to just work with extras 
and be yeah. the exercise coordinator. So I was able to kind of like develop that role because there was an uh, I you know there was something I was able to do in my old role um, that I really enjoyed, um, and that you know and just you know, being able to work on different um, productions and different sets, you know, I, there was, you know, I did keep seeing this, um, you know, this gap. Mm. Um, and so I was able to kind of like um, understand what it, you know, what would be involved in being, you know, kind of working in that space and kind of doing a bit of research and and now I'm kind of like doing that on the you know just kind of in the background whilst I'm doing other roles um um but yeah I really enjoy that and I know that there's a need and um you know um we need more representation in um you know in all our different mediums of tv and film and um, many different places, you know, whether it's in um, audio, you know, podcasting or, you yeah. know, um, online, like, you know, people are always looking for um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander talent um, and I just think it's important that we, um, everyone has an opportunity to kind of um, be part of that space. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I I really enjoy working in that space. Um, I'm still learning about it, um, you know. And I I I yeah, it's a it's a good experience. It's a good learning curve for me. And just just from identifying a, a gap in the industry has led me on this path of working in that kind of talent consultancy space. Yeah. Yeah. And is that um, that's on the horizon for you? Like, are you kind yeah. of? reaching towards that as a business or as a as your your niche um, kind of place in the world yeah I I have kind of I have the business it is a registered business but I haven't actually put it out to the world yet okay. <laughs> I'm still it's still something I'm kind of workshopping and yeah. um, playing around with but I'm I'm doing the work so I still get contacted by people you know um, to and not just like film and TV I'm getting um, contacted by design studios wow. that are looking for people um, to you know get feedback to test products so they can design better and um, bigger and, um, you know, products or projects because they they want um, feedback or information from not just um, the broader community but from, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as well. So it's, you know, making sure that we're involved in that kind of those processes, you know. Um, so there's just so much going on and, you know, um, you know, I think my strengths are that I was able to kind of connect with community and pull people together and, and um, so, you know, it's just me really building on, those contacts, building that database and just, um, yeah, just knowing that, you know, this is like kind of taking baby steps and just understanding um, the industry but, you know, being able to kind of still work in this space. Um, but, yeah, this is kind of like my little side hustle at the moment. Hopefully it's something that will grow um, bigger and I'll be able to kind of you know, focus on it solely. But, you know, in the meantime, I'm, you know, working on, um, you know, other things um, in the producing space, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, being, being able to um, kind of stretch myself around just to kind of, yeah, really experience many different um, areas within the film and TV um, space. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's more to come, everyone. <laughs> what's really interesting is what you were saying is that you know you you saw this gap from your experience and you wanted to fill it and it, it's very similar to what we talked about right at the beginning about your your family and your 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 elders and they saw gaps in our mm. communities and they you know wanted to fill them and grow things so I think that's just like an amazing thing um, I didn't even make that connection like I didn't even realize yeah there you go. <laughs> I totally did that yeah that's pretty yeah. cool yeah that's very cool very yeah. cool and I know you um spoke about your dad previously mm. but you know your dad's just 
English fella. And <laughs> if you don't know who Deeks' dad is, Google it. But he, you know, I know that you were really interested in his story and 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 someone capturing his story in film or a documentary mm-hmm. type. Um, but you wanted to have some, you know, your family wanted to have some sort of ownership in that creative mm-hmm. process. And how's that going? Is that is that going ahead still? Have you managed to really be able to control that that space and the storytelling of him and all of that? Yeah, look, uh, so yeah, dad, there's a, yeah, so there's a filmmaker that's, um, wants to do a story on dad and, you know, he's reached out to my sister and I and other family members just to kind of be involved in the process. And it's actually on pause at the moment because of, you know, COVID and, um, you know, kind of all that. But, you know, I think, yeah, I just want to be part of that and be, and make sure he, the story is, you know, dad's happy with that story and, and that narrative and, and, you know, and like, that's something that I'm quite passionate about is, you know, especially documentary. I love documentary, but dad, you know, he's Robbie Thorpe, um, you know, just kind of having that, um, just having that story, him just kind of being who he is and he's still who he is today, you know, um, being the strong activist, you know, kind of, um, always fighting you know he's he's been he's you know he's hardcore but he, he's staunch and he gets his message across and he's inspired a lot a lot of people a lot of the younger you know um younger mob the younger movements um especially war the warriors against resistance um down in victoria so um yeah it's just it's good to see that all his work has kind of like really um really just shown you know he can just kind of sit back and say you know like a lot of the stuff that he's done has kind of trickled into the minds of other you know young people that are standing up and fighting now and and can really look to dad and say you know thank you uncle you know thank Mm -hmm. him as their elder you know and even you know my cousins even call him dad because he's just got that um you know that kind of energy and and that kind of caring um you know personality of like just you know showing us and teaching us every day you know I could sit down with dad and he'll just talk my ear off because he's got so much to say you know and he's, oh, he's always thinking he's always thinking ahead and um you know I just treasure those moments you know and I wish I could just record everything because it's you know just to contain information when he's talking it's you know like but he's been doing this for many years you know since he was a young young fella and you know his inspiration's been Uncle um, Gillian McGuinness, mm-hmm. um, Gary Foley you know of the likes and just you know many other amazing um staunch leaders in our communities of they've all inspired each other like they've all been um like supportive of each other you know they always kind of like um you know they all carry the same message and it's really just to fight for our freedom our justice the peace you know we we don't we're not here to you know um start wars we're here to just have real peace in at the end of the day you know what and take back what's rightfully ours mm. um but yeah like so the the story's there the docu's kind of in uh on pause at the moment but hopefully something um we can get that you know i can help the filmmaker to kind of push it across the line and um yeah and we can tell dad's story that's so good yeah you're taking ownership of your family's story and he's so I know he'd be proud to have you by his side as he goes through this process because, um, you know, it's going to be a massive process but an, a really important yeah. one for your family. So that's amazing. And, and you said the word but, you know, you said activist and you said leader. But what, you know, those words in our community are so strong and so powerful. So do you see yourself in the same sort of lens as your dad or the people in your family? Like, do you see yourself as an activist or a leader? And what what are, you know, leaders to you these days, you know? I think 
I see leaders as my elders, mm. you know, because they're the knowledge holders um, and they share the knowledge. Um, and I'm just inspired by them because, you know, you know, you just sit down and have a cup of tea with them and they just tell you stories and it's just amazing how they, you know, can remember so in so much detail, like with my grandmother, my my father's mum, just her her memory is incredible and just being able to yarn and just take that time to just really listen. Mm. Um, they're my leaders. They're the people I look up to, um, you know, and I think we all do in a way, you know, we all inspired and, and um look up to our elders and our, our you know, especially our women, yeah. uh, the women in our lives. Um, but to me, I, I don't really see myself as a leader. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I see myself as a contributor. Yeah. I contribute to community in some way, you know, um, you know, in different variant ways, you know, like whether it's um, – filling gaps with extras on a film set or, um, you know, helping to get an Aboriginal um, filmmaker's film on screen or something like that. Like I just, in some way I'm contributing um, and I'm happy with that, you know, and um, if I can um, help someone in some way I will, you know. Um, so I guess, you know, you know, I I see leadership as um, eldership. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Contributor. Couldn't have said it. <laughs> so good. That's it, you know, and it's, you know, being enough with that is amazing as well. That's a, that's a life lesson there. Um, mm. But I did want to ask you about life lessons and you talk about your elders and and how you run each day and, and each project and you think about them. What do you do? What do you tell yourself when you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you're in that transition mode that we all go through in our periods or in, at different periods in our lives? What do you say to yourself or what do you keep remembering when um, you need to find that extra, that extra mm. bit to keep going? Oh, um, I always just always have to go for a walk and clear my head, whether mm. I'm just going to the ocean and look at watching the waves and just soaking up nature really just and it's not even words it's just surroundings um it's just love my bushwalks I love and I need to be near water mm. something about water that's so powerful whether it's salt or you know river water it doesn't matter it, there's just something powerful about it and just the sounds and the you know the smells um that's powerful to me you know and um but then I also think about my family in mm. that moment as well and just um you know think about all the thing the sacrifices they've made um and the contributions they've made and and you know and just the energy and the time they give to not just to their family but you know to their community I just draw strength from that you know and um just getting on country, like just the simple things is just planting your feet, your bare feet on, on the ground, um, mm. breathing in that fresh air. Um, yeah, just kind of like escaping the kind of hustle and bustle and knowing that it's okay to just take a break, you know, um, just unwind and, you know, um, to, to, to be kind to yourself you know, um, and allowing yourself to kind of just um, take in those moments. So, yeah, I just, I kind of, um, I know I'm, that's something I'm learning now to this yeah. day. Like I am in this transition mode of kind of moving around in my life and, you know, and just kind of finding the things that are making sense. But it's it it's making sense to now, even though I might not see, um you know, see it, but, you know, you kind of just know and, and um, yeah, it's just kind of just just going with the flow and just taking that time for yourself. So that's kind of where I draw my energy and strength from. So I love it. I love it so much. 
I'm so glad you said all of that because we all need to do that and I feel like there's always the right time, you know. It doesn't matter what age you are, what part of your career you're in, you, you still need to look after you and all those things you do, I'm going to make sure I write them down. Oh, I need to write them down too. (laughs) I do them, but I, and you know, also a friend actually gifted me a, um, like a a diary, a a journal. Mm. Um, And I've never used a journal before. I think maybe when I was younger in high school, but no, I think I might start just writing stuff down, just writing how I feel, what I got up to on the, and I, I kind of see the few, you know, like the 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 reasons behind why people yeah. do it because it's just it's just debriefing with yourself really, mm-hmm. and so maybe journaling as well is another way. So I'm I'm going to be doing that as well. Well, I'm going to check in on you. <laughs> I love journaling, um, but yeah, I'm super excited for you. I'm proud of you. I'm you know, like all the things that you're building towards is very exciting. And, um, you know, like I said before, like you're just a treasure to your family and our community. So, uh, you know, I'm super proud and, um, yeah, I want to thank you for yarning with me and sharing everything. I'm very honoured to hear your story. Um, and I hope everyone that watches this feels the same. Thank you so much. I feel so honoured to share my story with you and, you know, and it's always lovely to see your face and (laughs) and catch up, sis, and, you know, and I, you know, I'm really excited to be part of this and and to hear other women's stories as well. So thank you so much. Um, Really, yeah, it was really nice to have a yarn tonight. Okay. Thank you, my (laughs) sister. Thank you. See you later. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and would love to hear more inspirational stories, consider joining QM Sanctum. This is our virtual home, membership space, and community filled with passionate people, also dedicated to the personal development of First Nations women. We'd love to connect with you on there. Also, remember to subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a pleasure as always, and we'll catch you on the next one.